Forget-Me-Not is a series that tackles living with dementia. When someone's told they have dementia, their mind often races immediately to the end and what that will look like. But just like in any story, you should never jump to the final pages. Because in life, if you focus only on the end, you'll miss all the great opportunities to tell your story the way you want it to be told. Family is often described as the foundation for society. Most people rely on their family for support, whether it's emotional or physical. When we're hurting, we hope that our family will rally around us and help us through turbulent times in our lives. For people with dementia, there's no single moment, but many moments where they will want to draw on the support of their family and loved ones. However, when it comes to supporting a person with dementia, it's important to make the distinction that we are working alongside them to continue to live well as opposed to taking over and controlling their lives. Instead of taking away things from people with dementia, we should be building them up with the support they need to maintain their independence and lead the life they've been spending their whole lives building towards. Tom Wellner, President and CEO of Rivera, and we're proud to bring you this podcast. Rivera believes in the importance of creating a world that allows older adults to live life to the fullest. Rivera supports older adults and celebrates their contributions to our society. We believe it's critical to be innovative, which is why we're the first company in the Canadian senior living sector to appoint a chief medical officer and a chief elder officer. Together, we're improving the aging experience and changing the way we think about growing older. Thanks for listening to another episode of Forget Me Not. I'm Dr. Rhonda Collins, Chief Medical Officer at Rivera, and it's my pleasure to be joined today by Johanna Weinzettel. Joanna and her husband, Herbert, have been married for more than 65 years. They immigrated from Austria and built a new life for themselves and their family in Canada, settling in North York, where they owned a beauty shop together. In 2011, their lives changed when Herbert was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease. Johanna, thank you for speaking with us today about your and Herbert's experiences. Oh, you're welcome, uh, Rhonda. I'm happy to uh, speak to you. Can you tell me a little bit about how you and Herbert met? Well, uh, we were both working in a beauty salon in Graz, Austria, and uh, he was basically my teacher, and uh, that's how we met. Fell in love and stayed together since, that was in 1948, I think. And then you both came to Canada where you opened a business together. What was it like being a husband and wife and also co-owners of a business? Well, like everybody said, it's very unusual, and they were thinking this isn't going to work, but uh, it worked very well. We were working together until uh, we retired, semi-retired, in uh, 98. And uh, 
we had no problems. We uh, he had the men's section, I had the ladies section. We were together, but we weren't really working with each other. So it uh, was a wonderful time because, uh, as I say, I'm not married 65 years. I am married 130 years because we were together for 24/7, which doubles it. So, <laughs> so we have we have had a wonderful, a wonderful marriage and a wonderful life. And especially living in Canada, which was our dream, and uh, that was fulfilled. What were your plans for when you retired? Well, we had a store we sold, and we um, moved uh, some of our clients out to our house. We uh, fixed up a little salon downstairs for men and women, and we worked until the beginning of uh, 2017. So we were working practically all our life. We uh, we didn't work every day, but uh, we just enjoyed, uh, and of course, you know, it was extra income, and uh, we just I just loved hairdressing, and so did he. So you know, making people beautiful is a is a wonderful thing. So uh, that's what we did. And uh, retirement uh, really was uh, messed up a little bit with uh, the diagnosis that Herbert had because there wasn't too much traveling, which we had planned. And so uh, we just uh, stayed home and uh, did what we had to do. Leading up to his diagnosis, what were the signs that something wasn't quite right? Well, I... uh, noticed some personality changes. My husband was always a very quiet man. He never raised his voice to the kids or anybody. And it was just wonderful uh, to live with him. But he started a personality change where he got a little cross with me the odd time. And he uh, he just wasn't himself. And uh, of course, forgetfulness. And uh, so I thought maybe the doctor could give him some so-called vitamins. And I went to talk to the doctor by myself. Herbert was waiting in the waiting room. And when I told him about, he had the the right questions, of course, the doctor did. And I um, told him that, uh, you know, I was concerned. So he said, would Herbert mind to come in? So I said, no, I'm sure he wouldn't. So he did come in. And he gave him this uh, basic uh, Alzheimer test, which Herbert failed like every single thing. He couldn't do the clock. He couldn't answer when he was born or where, you know, where he lived, which I had not noticed because I wouldn't ask him these questions. So when we walked out, uh, he, of course, with the diagnosis, uh, he was devastated. And he says, well, now I'm going to kill myself. And I said, no, you're not, because I'm going to look after you until the end, which I'm still doing. Not at home, but... How did you feel when Herbert was diagnosed with Alzheimer's disease? Well, you know, I was I I was upset, of course, but you know, you when you first get the diagnosis, except when you think of other people that are going through with it, I wasn't that devastated as he was. Um, I just thought, well, just take care of him. That's what we promised each other, and uh, you know, that's we just go from there. And I was more concerned to comfort him and encourage him and tell him that I'll be always there for him. I can't even imagine how difficult it must have been for you to hear Herbert say he wanted to end his life because of that diagnosis. Oh, yes. And he said it many times, even when he was in the nursing home. He still said it when he could still speak, which he can't anymore. So I finally, you know, had to just uh, tell him, you can't do that. There's no way. So it was hard. How did your family react to the news that he had Alzheimer's? Well, they were naturally very sad, but because they knew that I would be the caretaker and the Mrs. Caretaker of everything, so uh, they weren't 
Yes, concerned. They were sad and upset because that, and also, you know, they had another issue to deal with, and that's, uh, well, we get it. Because that, you know, people, let's say offsprings, usually are concerned about that part. What did you do as a family to support him? You know, there wasn't that much at the beginning because we, Herbert was still driving. The doctor let him still drive. He says, as long as Johanna is in the car and, you know, that you don't get lost. And he was still fine and we were still doing things. So there was no need for any particular help. It was just a regular, you know, we come see mom and dad and, and uh, not that much talk about it at that point. Were there any resources or groups that you sought out to help navigate the journey with Alzheimer's disease? I uh, got in touch after years, of course. You know, he's he was diagnosed uh, over eight years ago now. So uh, the very first years, everything was just normal. And, you know, it was a little bit hard to uh, deal with his personality change, you know. So uh, anyway, when the time came that I needed some help, I got in touch with CCAC and um couple of nice girls came and to talk to me and assessed Herbert and let, you know, let me know where I stand and what the possibilities are for me to access. So um, basically, uh, CCAC was the only thing that I needed. How has your relationship evolved with the changes Herbert has experienced? Well, you know, when you've lived together a lifetime, we were teenagers and uh, love never changed. As a matter of fact, even being in love never changed. So that was basically what brought us through the whole thing until the time came when I had to let him go somewhere else. When was the decision made that Herbert needed the support of long-term care? How did you come to that decision? Well, at first, it's it's something I'm never going to do. This is what I hear other people say too. I'm never going to let him go. Never. I'll do this forever. I can do it. I mean, I can look after him. But then the time came when he started uh, having uh, toilet issues where he couldn't go by himself. I had to take him. He couldn't, I couldn't make him sit on the toilet because he was afraid. And I found out later in the nursing home that uh, our seats that are white are similar to the floor and uh, people in that condition feel they are falling. So in the nursing home, they showed me, they said, see why we have black seats? Because people can distinguish where to sit. So this was one issue that Herbert would go into the shower. He would, you know, if I, like he would get up every half hour at night and I would have to get up with him because otherwise it would be all over the floor and then I have more work (laughs) washing the floor. Uh, he would stand in front of me sometimes and just uh, wet himself in the living room. So, you know, that was the time when I really got serious about putting the name in for an eventual placement in a, in a nursing home. Now, you live at Westney Gardens, which is one of our beautiful retirement residences with a lot of amenities. Um, a lot of our listeners don't understand the difference between retirement residence versus long-term care home. Can you kind of explain that from your perspective? I know this is so amazing that people are so (laughs) uneducated about it because a retirement home is just like moving in from one home to another. I mean, I moved from my home to a retirement home 
And uh, I actually changed homes because I wanted to have more independence. And Rivera is amazing that way because you can, you have all the care, you have a wellness center, you have your food if you want it, but you can also just buy it as you go. There are three uh, eating areas, a dining room, bistro, and a pub. So you can eat when you want. You can buy on your fob. You can buy, let's say, a thousand dollars, and then you, they just use it. You never need to carry money or anything. So it's just a, a wonderful setup. And the nursing home is something that is the stage after when you can't look after yourself. In a retirement home, you still look after yourself, although you do have the wellness center, which. I am so pleased with because sometimes when they don't see me all day, call me at 8.30 at night and say, oh, Johanna, how are you? And of course, I'm telling them I'm fine. So you never feel alone. You have all the events that you want to go to, which I can't because I go to Herbert every afternoon. So uh, it's it's so different from a nursing home where you're taken care of. You have to, uh, you know, uh, diapers and being fed sometimes and all the things that I see there are just also wonderful, you know, to be in place. How have you coped with supporting Herbert? Were there difficult moments you had to endure? Well, right now he's at the stage where he can't stand anymore or get up. He's just lies in bed. He's, of course, uh, continent. Uh, has to be washed and has to be cleaned. He has to be hoisted with one of those uh, machines to, uh, it's like a swing, like a hammock from bed to to the chair, from the chair to the bed. So it's hard to see that. When he's in the chair, sometimes I meet him in the hallway where he propels himself forward with his feet. An awful thing to watch, you know, when you remember him the way he was. And uh, the hardest thing for me was and still is leaving him because I'm there from, let's say I'm there about two, between two and two and a half hours in the afternoon. I lie down with him on the bed and we hold hands and he calms down and he's, he's, he's just very loving and still knows me, which is a blessing. But leaving him, he always looks like a wounded little puppy, you know, leaving me now and I usually don't say I'm leaving. I just say, I'll see you later or, you know, I'll, I'll be back because I'll be back the next day. But he doesn't remember. So basically leaving was for me from the beginning the hardest. At the very beginning, I would cry half half the way home. I still drive. So I would cry. And now it's become, thank God, a routine. And this might be very helpful to some people when they're so frightened. He's been in there. This is his third Christmas he was uh, admitted on the 21st of December, so it's two years, and uh, it's become a routine. And uh, uh, I go every day, and I look forward to seeing him as he does me. And uh, it's 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 not as bad as you think, because I know he's taken care of, and I can really encourage people to not be afraid to let the husband or wife or spouse go into a place like that because when you go home you feel a little bit of a haven to be away from worry if you just let yourself and I also am a very strong believer in God so I have this side of the help and the faith for me which uh, helps me a lot. Have you and Herbert encountered any stereotypes about people living with dementia? Not really no I can't say that I uh I think people are educated enough today that they know it's a sickness. It's not, it's not a mental thing or 
It's it's something of a sickness of the brain, and it's not something that anybody can help. And people are very, very supportive and trying to be helpful and sympathetic. So I can't say that I have had any negative impact on that. Has your perception of dementia changed? Uh, I don't know if I thought about it much before. And since Herbert has it, I have just learned that it's what it is. It's it's not something that uh, we can change. We we can't change our destiny, or it would kill us if we try. So I just live each day the way it comes my way, and I uh, I don't look forward to the future. But I know it is my future, and it is Herbert's future, and I have to live it. So I'll live it to the end with him. If you could say one thing to the people listening to this podcast who maybe are going through the same experience you are, what would that be? Well, I think, first of all, don't be as afraid as most people are. I think you have to allow yourself to be impatient, to get angry, because this is just a normal normal reaction to all the things that are happening. Like when, when I had my husband at home, I don't get angry at him now, of course, because it's, a, it's a, sort of went right back to a very loving relationship. But when I first had to deal with everything myself, I, I, I would sometimes just cry or, I mean, I'm not someone that cries too much. Maybe that's too bad because maybe you should cry and talk to other people and uh, I have uh, started at the Rivera, I've started the Alzheimer's support group, it's actually called Loss, Grief and Alzheimer because I've had a few people sharing with me their things that uh, they're going through and the, the husbands uh, you know, having having to deal with their husbands and I decided uh, rather than stopping in the hallway and talking to each other why don't we just meet downstairs in our lovely library area and uh, now we have a support group of about sometimes five to ten or a little more and everybody is uh, very happy to share their thoughts and help each other. That's wonderful, Johanna. It's so important when somebody is experiencing sadness, frustration, or anger, that they reach out for support. There are so many great resources available to help support caregivers, including talking to others who have lived the experience just like yourself. Thank you so much for using your experience to help others navigate their journey. Thank you. Thank you for acknowledging it. Johanna, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with us today and sharing your and Herbert's story. It's not easy supporting someone living with dementia or Alzheimer's disease, but you do it with so much grace and humility. Thank you for sharing your experiences with our listeners. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Rounder, and it was a pleasure talking to you. My dad was my rock. He passed away almost six years ago after a sudden diagnosis of cancer. There was so much that I admired about him. Most of all was the way he faced challenges. As a child, he was diagnosed with glaucoma and knew it was only a matter of time before he would be completely blind. He attended the Ontario School for the Blind where he learned the skills he would need to succeed in life. He would go on to have a successful career as a darkroom technician in the x-ray department of our local hospital. And he was never held back by his, quote, disability, unquote. I know what it means to take care of a loved one. I know the challenges that entails. I know the heartache of bad days and the joy of good ones. For many people, supporting a loved one 
whether they're fighting cancer or living with dementia, it can be a terrifying and exhausting experience. However, the thing that keeps us moving forward is the love that binds us to each other. With my dad, I knew deeply the appreciation and love he had for me, not just when he was sick, but during our whole time together. Being his daughter was the best gift I could have ever asked for. I love you, Daddy. On the next episode of Forget-Me-Not. Advanced care planning is not about making decisions. It's about thinking and reflecting on your personal values and beliefs and what you want and sharing that information with those people who may end up having to make that decision for you. There comes a point in a person's dementia journey where tough conversations need to happen. Who can you turn to for answers? How do you make the preparations you need? Where do you start? We'll answer those questions on the next podcast. Forget Me Not is brought to you by Revira. It's produced, written, and edited by Aaron Rathbone. Special thanks to Joanna Weinzettel for inviting us into her home and sharing her and Herbert's story. We hope our listeners were able to glean more insight into supporting a loved one living with dementia, and we hope you'll join us next time on Forget Me Not.